0: ending. Grace and peace to you from God the Father and Lord Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Now you guys will be singing that for the rest of the day and you're welcome, right? So that opening, of course, is one of the greatest, we're Sarah, one of the greatest horn bands of all time. That is, of course, Chicago. They're a horn band. We had a conversation about that earlier. Welcome to Reformation Sunday um, as you've never seen it before. I like to give you something new. I feel like Um, As you could tell from that slideshow, thank you very much for that, by the way, Jared. You're trying to break me up, right? Is that what's going on here? You can tell from that slideshow, I've been here for a few years now, and we've talked about Reformation Sunday from a lot of different angles. Last year, uh, we had a series, a sermon series on uh, Luther's solas and where he was coming from. So what we're going to be talking about today is a little bit different now. Um, of course, this is the day we commemorate Luther hanging those um, 95 theses on the, on the church door there at, at Wittenberg, on the cathedral door at Wittenberg Castle. Um, Jennifer Ling has those statements hanging out in our narthex. Just take a glance at a couple of them. There's just a couple of themes, actually, as you look through them. Um, number one, Luther said, we're not giving the Bible enough power. And number two, he said, we're giving the Pope too much power. So think about those two ideas um, as you look through them. So here's a lighthearted look. This is maybe what it looked like with Luther hanging him on the door. You know, some people around him, he's nailing them on there. And then since it's so close to Halloween, this is becoming my favorite picture. Luther says, you know, stop asking or saying trick or treat. I said 95 theses, not 95 reeses, right? right? I like this one too. Uh, Luther is there and he said, no, the door is fine. I'm trying to fix your theology, is what he's saying there. So, um, theology, in other words, you know, theology and doctrine are closely related um, in the dictionary synonyms with each other. Um, Synonyms mean... um, The the doctrine being what we believe and why we believe it. And if you've spent any time in our youth group or even talked about our youth group, that's what we do there. We talk about what we believe and we talk about why we believe it. It should be what we talk about here all the time, too. We don't just go through the motions. We actually are trying to live out the things that God is giving us to do. So it was Luther's ambition, his mission uh, to change the way people understood theology. Um, In other words, how they were saved, how God brings us to salvation, um, and understand their relationship with God, and to um, live into that, what a real relationship with God looks like. And so just like Luther looked to change the way believers understood God, it's my goal this morning to change the way um, that we look at our time with God. You know, that's why his titled this, Does Anybody Really Know What Time It Is? Does anybody really know what it's like to have time with God? Uh, and maybe we change the way this morning we understand time, um, and especially to change the way we use it especially as it relates to our relationship with God, which brings me back to that song. You know, does anybody really know what time it is? Does anybody really care is how they keep saying it. Now, this is not music appreciation class, so we won't go into that any further, but um, I don't want to get past what Luther said about time. You know, Luther accomplished um, a mountain full of work and, and works and writings and things in his lifetime, but he said this about time. He said, I'm so busy now that if I did not spend three hours each day in prayer, I could never get through the day. He said, I could never accomplish the things that I've done if I didn't spend two hours with God in the morning and three hours with God during, in, in prayer during the day. Now, we all think we're all way too busy to be doing things like that, but again, if you think about what Luther accomplished in his lifetime, and he said, I'm going to pray for three hours a day. And you know what also he said about, about prayer? He said, less is more, basically. Less words is more. So how are we going to fill up three hours with less words? But the point is, he spent a lot of time with God in prayer, spent a lot of time in that relationship with God. So now, uh, now let's take a look. I want to take a look this morning at how God looks at time. You know, time according to God. Uh, because that can be, time can be elusive to us, especially as, as God sees it. Um, you know, uh, there's a, the old joke about the kid who kept asking people what time it was. And his dad finally said, why do you keep asking people what time it is? He said, it's weird. Every time I ask that question, I get a different answer. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. All right. Okay, so, again, God looks at time differently than we look at it. Um, and God looks at time, um, God would use the word time and opportunity as synonyms. You know, when we have these time moments, we have these opportunities. Um, and again, he looks at opportunities different than we do. And the Bible is full of moments of opportunities of God's followers. And you know, and I, I say this all the time, the Bible is not full of perfect people. Because people think, oh, you know, I can't ever be as holy. These are real people that lived real lives, walking the same way we walked, making the same kind of mistakes, doing the same kind of accomplishments, the things that we're talking about, the things that we're looking for. So some of God's people uh, followed um, God's calling right away. You know, God gives us these, these moments of opportunities. Some people followed him right away. There's a guy named Moses, right? Moses is walking along, uh, minding his own business, tending a flock of sheep one day, and he sees this burning bush over there. And it was crazy because the bush, bush wasn't, wasn't burning up. And so instead of just walking by and continuing along with his day, um, Exodus 3.3 3 says this. So Moses said, I must turn aside now. I must pause. I must turn aside and see this marvelous sight. Why is this bush not burning up? Why is it on fire and it's not burning up? So Moses had two choices here. He, again, he could have gone on with business as usual, just kind of checked it out casually on his way by, or, you know, uh, but our English translation, one English translation says I must turn away from my flock. I must turn away from what I'm actually doing, what I feel is more important, what I feel is a, a priority in my life. I must turn away from that and see what God is, is up to over here, and see what's going on over here. And then God uses that moment to change the universe. Literally, that's the day the universe changed. You know, there's a lot of universe-changing moments in this book that I hold in my hands here. That's what we talked with our third graders about the other day there's a lot of moments in here now on the other hand not all of God's people react in the way that Moses reacted you know he had this opportunity and not everybody takes those opportunity Um, I present to you this guy named Jonah right Jonah who doesn't turn aside when he hears God's voice and when God tells him what to do no he turns and runs the other way I present to you Jonah 1 3 it says this is a long verse Jonah got up and went in the opposite direction to get away from the Lord he went down to the port of Jopal where he found a ship leaving for Tarshish. He brought a ticket and went on board hoping to escape from the Lord by sailing to Tarshish. So Jonah hears God's words, right? And he heads in the opposite direction to this place, Tarshish. I think that's Hebrew for as far away as I can possibly get, right? And you know the rest of that story. He's walking along, you know, and then all of a sudden he's in the belly of a whale, right? And God said, I'm going to get your attention one way or another. Now, I ask you, you now how about you? Have, have you heard from God lately? Have you heard from God lately? Because God is talking to his people on a constant and regular basis. Psalm 62.11 says this, God has spoken plainly, I've heard it many times, power of God belongs to you. The problem we have, and like I said, the Bible is not these perfect scenarios, it's real life. And that's a life that we've got to live into. We have to realize that we stumble and we fall and we don't get it right, and it takes practice and it takes an effort, concentrated effort. We have to be intentional about this because look at Job thirty three fourteen. God speaks again and again, though people don't recognize it. Why? Because we're going too fast in the other direction. Why? Because when we get a glimpse of it, we say, "Oh, that was cool," but you know, I got these other things that I got to do on my agenda. These other things I got prioritized. These other things that I want to do. But when God speaks, He expects results. So much so that He put Jonah in the belly of this big fish to get His attention, hold him still for a minute, say, "Why don't we uh, talk about this again, real quick?" Because Isaiah 55 says this: God says, "It's the same with My word. I send it out." And it always produces fruit. It will accomplish all I want it to. It will prosper everywhere I send it. Turn aside and pay attention to the bush or end up in the belly of a whale. Those are our choices, right? Pause for a moment here and think about that. God is going to accomplish, God's word is going to be accomplished. And like I said, I, I submit exhibit Jonah here to the court. That's one thing, you know, that might hit closer to home. There's two things that we've got to think about here. You know, those of us um, saying, I don't hear from God, you know, might take a closer look here, um, you know, but what does all that have to do with, with time? Like I said, now, time to God equals opportunity. God gives us these moments in time for opportunities. God speaks moments called um, appointed times, he calls them. Appointed times. Opportunity times. And when God presents those times to us, when we talk about, when we're reading the New Testament, um, he uses a special Greek word that we, so we don't get confused about what God is talking about. When he's talking about time, we don't get confused about what he's talking about here. See, the Greek language has two, um, primarily two words that they use for time. We've got one. Greek has two. Um, one is, um, you know, talking about what time of the day it is, right? Um, and that's the Greek word, that's chronos, like chronological time. And so that's how you would say, what time is it? That's what Greeks would say was, was a chronos time, was a chronological time. But we use the same word when we say, we had a great time, or what a, what a wonderful time that was, right? Well, the Greek language has a different word for that kind of time, and it's called kairos. I want everybody to say kairos with me, kairos. And okay, so chronos, chronological time, kind of looks like this on a timeline, Right? this timeline going across, and that's how we think about time. But then God refers to these special moments in time, these special moments in time when he's breaking through, when he literally sends you a burning bush, right? He's breaking into your normal routine. He's breaking into your normal day. That's when he uses a different Greek word, and that, a different word, and like I said, that's, that's kairos. Now, before I show you what that looks like on this figure that Jared um, brilliantly put together for me in just a very short amount of time, I want to show you an example in the Bible of what God is talking about and how he uses this word and how it plays out in our lives. I read it to you a minute ago, but I want to emphasize it here. Mark 1.15. This is Jesus talking. He says, The time has come. That's that's kairos. Kairos. The time has come. So this moment in time, this special moment in time has come. He said, The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. So what kairos moment has come? Jesus said, the kingdom of God has come. And what should our response be to that? We should believe and uh, repent and believe the good news. Turn from your sin, repent and believe the good news. Another moment where that came in, and this is how we usually see it. I'm going to show you this one, not as a parallel to this, but as just another example of how kairos is used. Um, so Jesus, I said, or read earlier um, in Mark, Mark doesn't talk much about uh, Jesus being sent into the wilderness. He just kind of mentions that it, it happened uh, because some of the other gospel writers um, play it out a lot further. He didn't need to go into that. Um, but Luke now talks about that in a little more detail. So when Jesus goes into the desert, he's tempted by Satan, and then Satan finally gives up because Jesus beats him at his own game, right? So Luke 4.13 says, When the devil had completed every temptation, literally when he's giving up, He departed from Jesus until a more opportune time. Opportune time is kairos, an opportune moment. So Jesus says the time has come, the opportunity has come. More opportune time, right? This is, again, the word kairos, the Greek word kairos. Instead of being a straight line in time, like our chronos time here, well, we think of it more as a break in time, where God presents an opportunity to us, as God did with Moses and God did with Jonah. And according to Psalm 62, um, Job 33, and Isaiah 15, he does that same thing with us. He has these moments where he's speaking to us. He has these moments where he's breaking into our lives, trying to get our attention and having a purpose for that intention, the way he breaks into our lives. So God presents us with these what we call kairos moments, or sometimes we call them God moments, moments when God is breaking into our everyday routine for his purpose and his, and his works. So on that chronos, on that chronological time, we kind of make X X marks the spot on where a moment in time where God breaks into our lives. right? So now if we talk about that moment and how we should process that moment and how we should think about that moment, how we should live into that moment, I want to take that moment in time and I want to just make a big circle around here that we can talk about what that moment in time talks about. So there's our life on that timeline There's a moment when God breaks into it. Now, how do we process through that? Let's stick with Moses for a second, for a moment. And then, as we always do, we're going to put ourselves into God's story. Because, again, I've said it before, the gospel isn't complete until we put ourselves into this story, until we start owning these stories, until we start living those as if they are ours, and they're happening to us, because that's what God says happens to them. So God breaks into Moses' life with this burning bush, all right? And the first thing that Moses did was he observed this bush happening, this burning thing happening, right? Now, again, I said Moses had two choices. He can keep going along in his own direction and minding his own business, and he's got his own priorities. He's got his own agenda. He's got his own things that he's going to do. Or he can stop, and he can go over there and check it out, right? Moses goes over there and checks it out. Actually, he doesn't just observe it. According to Exodus 3, 2, Moses stared in amazement at this, as we should. You know, if you see a bush on fire and it's not actually being consumed by fire, you would be staring at this thing in amazement. You would be shocked and and amazed at this thing. So, all right, so the first step is Moses observes it. Now, the second step is, and this is how we should process God's moments in our lives, not only to observe them, but to reflect on them for a moment. Right, And the way Moses reflected on it is in verse 3. He said, this is amazing, Moses said to himself. Why isn't that bush burning up? I must go see it. He literally said, I must turn aside. I must put everything else aside. Come, Step away from everything else, and I must go and, and look at this and see what's going on. So Moses is reflecting on that. And then the third step on on this side right here, the things that we're talking about, um, you know, when God's trying to get our attention and give us His words for a purpose, because that's what we're talking about here. A moment in time where God is trying to get our attention for something. We observe it, kind of reflect on it for a second, and then, you know what, we can't always handle this stuff on our own, so we need to discuss it with somebody else. Right? Now, again, this is kind of where we got to get back into reality here or back uh, our feet on the ground a second because Moses had a great conversation with God about this moment. I would love to have an exchange with God verbally you know, on what he's doing in our lives and what he's got, but it just doesn't happen for us like that. Right? We'll break down that conversation with Moses another time. But Moses was, again, discussing this whole thing, not with himself, but he was discussing it with God himself. So sometimes we have to discuss these things with other people, right? Other like-minded believers. Something that I observed that God is breaking through, I don't understand exactly what's happening. There's a bush on fire. I don't even know exactly what's happening. It's not burning up, and I'm reflecting on it. Something that's happening in my life, I'm reflecting on it, I'm thinking about it, I'm pondering it, you know, I'm meditating on it, but, you know, I need to talk it out with somebody. Right? um you ladies probably understand this a little bit better than the guys because sometimes you process out loud with words and then as you start to speak these things all of a sudden they start to make more sense to you and the guys are just kind of standing back so we're waiting to hear our names or waiting to see if we're supposed to say something sometimes guys process in on the inside and so we got to do the opposite we've got to actually use words and discuss these things and see what other people have the input that other people have on this how how they would feel about this this moment and but it's it's not about us right I said Moses had the advantage of talking Talking to God because this is really a God moment and God gets to dictate what he's talking about here and what he wants to go with. So I want to take one step further on, on the lower left here. I want to put in one more word. So after we observe, reflect, and discuss, we, we make out a plan here. We get a plan. So, uh, And again, I'd like to remind you of what's happening right now so I don't lose you. Uh, we're talking about a moment in time where God breaks into our lives And God wants to get our attention to accomplish something. Now, those usually fall into two categories. One is to get us closer to God. One is to get us closer to God and get our relationship with him stronger. So he wants you to do something that helps get our relationship with him stronger. And the other thing that is more common is he wants us to do some of his kingdom's work. Something in his kingdom that he wants us to do. Something that he wants us to accomplish getting our attention for one reason or another. Now, just like Moses did, all right? The first, he observed this God moment happening. Then he reflected on what was happening. Then he gave it some thought, some time kind of thing. Then we find somebody to discuss it with, talk it out. The most important thing we have to remember right here on the lower left is that we need to have God's plan. This is God's idea. This is God's moment. This is not our plan. This is not about our agenda. This is about God's plan. This is about God's, plan, or God's agenda, things going on here, right? Line up with God. You know, in, when we talk about plans, just time out for a second here. Um, I was introduced to this process that I'm showing you this morning about 12 years ago, maybe, And I ate it up immediately. I said, wow, this is something we can really apply to our lives. This is something we can use on a daily basis. So for a couple of days, I just lived it and just really dug into it. And then when I became a first sergeant, um, it was a tool that I could use to help people talk through different moments and different situations, whether a Christian God moment or if it's just a big, huge moment that blew up in their lives. We can talk about things like this. And it became second nature to me. And so we got to this moment, um, so much second nature that uh, I was talking, as a first sergeant, I was talking to a guy who was having some serious financial problems and had been having some serious financial problems. And I said something about making a plan. And he said, you know, I've had plans before and they really haven't worked. Well, and I say that for two reasons. Number one, I was so embedded in this process that I didn't even realize I was in the middle of this process until he said that. And then, and then I thought, you know, that's the thing that we have to remember. Why didn't that plan work? Why has he had plans in the past that didn't work? Because they were his plans. Maybe his wife's plans, whatever, whoever's plans. But they weren't God's plans. So what we really have to discern from all this, observe, reflect, and discuss, is God's moment, God's plan. Because like I said, it's his moment, and that's what he's wanting us to talk about. It's what he wants us to do. Now, okay, so before I take the next step here, I want to relate this uh, a little bit better to our daily lives and go back to that Chicago tune. You know, does anybody really know what time it is? I'm going to answer that for you and say this simply, it's later than you think. What time is it? It's later than you think. You know, like the Everly brothers used to sing, you know, wake up little Susie, right? we got to wake up and check out some of these moments that God is giving us before it's too late. It's later than you think. Like I said earlier, the most important reason usually that God breaks into our life is to have that relationship with him. Now, back there in Mark, um, Jesus said two things. He said, repent and believe right? Repent and believe. The word repent, you know, we get the picture of the old dude with the beard and the sign on the stand on the corner that says repent, right? Well, okay, that's one way we can use that, but really repent means to change the way we think. The renewing of your mind is, is repent. And so that's what we're talking about here. We, we observe that relationship, we discuss it, then we make a plan to live it out before it's too late. Um, and before there's the Bible's chock full of moments that it might be too late. Um, I want to show you one in Acts twenty four twenty five. Now, this is Paul. Paul's been arrested um, in, in, in Jerusalem. He gets taken to Rome uh, to talk to this, uh, the Roman uh, governor uh, named Felix, right? And so, okay, so um, Paul, Felix actually calls Paul to, talk, to tell him the gospel. He brings Paul and says, tell me that gospel thing that you're accused of telling other people, and tell me how that works out, and tell me everything about it. So now as he, as Paul reasoned about righteousness, self-control, and judgment to come, Felix, the governor, right, the governor of Rome, um, was afraid and answered. He said, okay, go away for now. When I have a convenient time, that's Kairos, when I have a convenient time, I will call for you. And as far as we know, Felix never called him back, never found a convenient time, never found a better time. Now again, simply put, some of you, God is using these kairos moments to draw you closer to Him. God's using these kairos moments to draw you closer to Him. And for others, He might be challenging you to be be His kingdom workers. What that means exactly can likely be figured out in the steps I've laid out for you here a moment ago. But Jesus says, repent and believe, right? Repent. So the right side of that circle is the repent, the renewing of our mind, changing of our mind, changing the way we think. God breaks into your life for a moment to change the way you think, mostly to change the way you think about your relationship with him, to put it on a higher level rather than on the back burner, to turn the heat up on it. Maybe he's calling you to do some of his kingdom work, Maybe he's calling you to be a jam volunteer on Sunday morning or something like this, simple as that. But God is trying to change the way you think about something in your life. And if we look back at Job, it says God is talking to us all the time, but we're just too numb in the brain to hear him or to pay any attention. And we might see this bush on fire and go, oh, that was cool, Let's, what are we doing over here now? Isn't there a football game on pretty soon? Right. We just ignore it and we go on our way. But God says, I want you to process through that. Not just by yourself, but I want you to bring somebody in along with that. And I want you to make a plan about it. Now that other side of that circle, that repent, Jesus said repent, and he said believe. This other side is the believe side. So when Moses did all that processing on, what is it, on, the, on the right-hand side of that circle, when, God, when Moses did all the processing on the right-hand side of that circle, he believed God's plan. Now again, he got it right straight from God. He tried to argue with them. He tried to reason his way out. Isn't there somebody else you can get? I'm pretty sure you got the wrong guy. Isn't there something we can work out together, some kind of compromise? And God said, no, this is it. You, go. Moses believed him. He changed the way he was thinking about himself, about his whole um, community, about the way God interacts with us. And then he believed and he went out and stepped out. He said, God said, this is the plan. Moses said, Okay, I got it. So the next thing we need on that, on that uh, is it the left-hand side? On the left-hand side is an accountability partner. Okay, so when I you've heard me say it before at baptisms. We usually when I'm talking with the sponsors, I'm talking about that accountability partner. And when we've heard that in our past, we usually think an accountability partner is there with a baseball bat ready to smack us in the back of the head, right? And when we go wrong. But that's not what accountability partners do. An accountability partner is there to support and assist. Support and assist, not judge and condemn and, and smack, right? So we need an accountability partner. That might have been the person that we discussed it with. It might be somebody else in our lives. Somebody that's checking in on us. Hey, man, you said you were going to get closer to God by reading that devotional or that, or that part of the Bible. How's it going? Are you in on it? Are you having your coffee time with God every morning? Or whatever you said you were going to do, whatever that observe, reflect, and discuss, whatever that plan was, how's it going? Right? And the last thing, the last step on that side is to actually act on what God is telling you to do. Act on what God is telling you to do. Because notice all the steps, all the checks and balances involved in processing what God is saying. That's what that X on that timeline means. That's God breaking in, right? Giving you that burning bush that we've got to turn aside from everything else. We've got to turn aside. Moses said, the most important thing in my life are these sheep. But you know what? They're going to have to wait a minute because I've got to go check this out. I've got to go over and see what this is, what's happening over here. And then all of a sudden, he's reflecting. He's discussing with God. He's making a plan. He's like, whoa, okay. God was his accountability partner, so again, Moses, we can't really relate to that exactly, but you get the idea of what was going on there. Also keep in mind, we've got to adopt and embrace God's plan of attack. That young man I was talking to said, I've had plans in the past and they don't work out. They just, just fail. Well, you know what, maybe we can get God's plan into this whole thing. Because I'm sure he has a plan and I'm sure that he has this Kairos moment for you to talk to me about. And so here we are, let's work on God's plan. So I ask again, does anybody really know what time it is? Hard to say that without singing it, right? Does anybody really care? But I'm going to answer it for you again. It's later than you think. And it's really time for us to observe the God, the, observe the God moments in our lives. I like to call them kairos moments. We need to act on those moments. Luther said it best when he said we have to change the way we view our theology, the way we view our relationship with God. And we definitely have to change the way we look at God's timing, right? God's calling, God's opportunities. Jesus talked about it on a constant basis. We trace the word kairos back in the New Testament, and more often than not, it's Jesus talking about it or people talking about their relationship with Jesus, Jesus did it both. In John seven six. I'm going to leave you with this. This is Jesus talking to his siblings, right? They're asking him what he was going to do next. He said, "Well, you know what? My time is not here exactly right now, but your time is always opportune. Time is always opportune is one moment is one word. It's kairos, right? But your word, your moment is always there. God is." constantly breaking into our lives. Can you put that diagram up one more time, Jared? I just want to say this to you. God breaks into your lives, and we might go through, um, I'm sorry, we might go through the right hand of that that diagram. We might observe something, we might reflect on something, we might even discuss it with somebody else, but then we stop there. And if we do that, we might as well draw an arrow right back up to the top of that X, because we're going to go through the whole thing again. We're going to go through, am I drawing the right direction? We're going to go through the whole thing again. God's going to break into your life. We're going to observe it. We're going to reflect on it. We're going to discuss it. And If that's where it stops, we go right back to the top again. And God says, my word is going to accomplish what I sent it out to do. And my word is coming to you, and I'm expecting you to accomplish it. I'm going to give you a plan. I'm going to expect you to act on it. Amen? You must have 100 questions. You got some questions here? Let's stand as we continue our service.